What is up, Rio Hondo football fans, and welcome to the CIF Southern Section Finals, the 22nd appearance by our Rio Hondo Prep Cares. But if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know that already. The 14-time CIF champion Cares are taking on the Santa Monica Vikings this Friday night down in Santa Monica, right off of the Pacific Ocean down there off of PCH and Man, I just can't tell you how excited I am about this matchup. Um, arguably one of the biggest games in school history, a championship game at the highest level we've ever been at, uh, a single-digit division, Division Nine. back when, you know, Rio Hondo used to play uh, eight-man football and six-man football before that. It's pretty remarkable to see where the program has uh, gone after uh, 56 years or so. Uh, we started the summer kind of kicking off things and saying, hey, this is the 56th summer of Rio Hondo uh, football. And uh, it was 50 years ago this season that Rio Hondo won their very first CIF Southern Section Championship in 1973. And we've honored that team uh, already this year with a podcast uh, kind of reminiscing about that that season. We've talked, uh, well, we had a nice ceremony, I should say, there at Care Park in Irwindale a few weeks ago in the game, a uh, regular season finale against Campbell Hall. So there's been a lot of talk and it's kind of been something we've rallied around all, all season. Hey, how cool would it be to pursue a championship 50 years after Rio Hondo's first and make no mistake. It's all about the young men and coaches on this current team, but it's nice to look back and unite the past. I think that's one of the things that this podcast has done a good job of is connecting the, the, the past and, and kind of looking to the future while, uh, while honoring the, the current players and, and recapping uh, games and looking forward to games and all that. So it's kind of, it's got a lot of the past, present and future to it. And the big carry league motto, motto being, you know, your future is now. And uh, I don't know who said this quote. It's kind of something that's stuck in my head and there's probably different versions of it, but part of knowing where you're headed is knowing where you've been. And I think that's uh very well said. And there's other versions of saying that, but uh, we, we know where real Hondo prep came from. We talked last week about with Ken drain about that being in the first school at Rio Hondo and um, the first first class, I should say, back in the 1960s. And he talked about the early uh, beginnings of the program and everything. So uh, it is my total, complete honor to be uh, to ha- to provide for you today an interview I did 
uh, just earlier this evening with head coach Mike Dowd, the first head coach in Rio Hondo Preps history, the first coach to lead Rio to a title. And it was 50 years ago he hoisted the Blue Trophy for the 1973 team after falling short in the title game in 1972. Um, it, it's uh, an honor to to talk with someone who's um, such a God-fearing man and such an iconic face, really, of Rio Hondo Prep and Care Youth League, for that matter. And so a rather uh, fun conversation with Mr. Dowd um, that you guys will get to experience tonight. And I thought, what better way to kick off our week of championship uh, buildup, we'll say, than to talk with Rio Hondo's first championship uh, head coach. But he's an even uh, even bigger champion of a man, I should say, and someone that so many of us looked up to. And I want to share briefly my early interactions with Mr. Dowd. Uh, back when I was a uh, you know second, third, fourth grader, fifth grader running around at uh, Wingate Park in Care Youth League, you know that was a uh, second home for me, and where I fell in love with sports and and God and so many great things that Care Youth League produces. Uh, and it was Mr. Dow, this nice man in the uh, the Care Youth League office, not the new buildings we know now, but the original ones uh, for us uh, for us original original guys there. Um, I think they're kind of run down uh, wooden buildings. I, I don't remember exactly, but they were home to us. And there was an office in there, just like there is at the current club club rooms. And Mr. Dowd was in that office all the time, every day. And he sold the sodas and the candy bars. And he had the uniforms that he'd bring out from Arcadia, you know, to bring us our freshly pressed jerseys. And so we all knew who Mr. Dowd was, having no idea that he was a legendary coach at Real Hondo Prep and a lifelong leader right there alongside him and his, uh, his, uh, his now- uh, late wife, Mrs. Arliss Dowd, who was the principal at Real Hondo Prep for some uh, 20, 30, almost 30 years, I think, maybe 25 years or so. Um, she coached the girls program. Mr. Dowd coached the boys program. And, um, you know, so much time given by the two of them and, and so many, uh, so many lives that they touched. And back then, again, in 92, Mr. Dowd was just, oh, the nice man in the office that sells me candy bars. And uh, back at Wingate, you know, I think sodas were like 60 cents. Candy bars were a dollar or candy bars were 50 cents. Soda 60, whatever it was, it came out to a dollar 10, but us Wingate kids will remember this. The Wingate special. If you got both a dollar 10, right? It was, a, it was just an even dollar 60 cents for a Coke or 50 cents for a candy bar. But if you got both together, $1 saving 10 cents, right? A Wingate special, many of those in my lifetime, probably too many. Uh, but when you're a kid, you know, it's all good. Um, and Mr. Dowd, always so kind, uh, kind of a big, you know, intimidating presence to him, but just a kind hearted, you know, smile and everything. And I remember there was a time, you know, we always counted our change, right? We of course pay the dollar for dues club meeting, but that, you know, when you had extra change uh, for candy or a Coke or both, like that was heaven on earth, right? When you're your third grader. So I remember the time where, I paid my dues and I had, I thought I had an even dollar for, uh, for, you know, candy and a Coke after, after club meeting. And I was counting the dimes or the nickels or whatever it was. And I was like 10 cents short. Maybe it was like 20 cents short. I was, I was devastated, right? I was like, Oh my goodness. And Mr. Dowd saw me counting and saw that I was short of the dollar. And he knew I was a re repeat customer, right? Well, Mr. Dowd kind of seeing me kind of do the math into my head and going like, man, I'm, I'm again, I'm, I'm a third grader. I'm probably uh, seven, eight years old. And I remember he said something like, why don't you go outside and bring me 20 pieces of trash and clean up, you know, 20, just pick up some papers and bring them in and we won't worry about the final 10 cents or whatever. 
And I just ran outside. I picked up trash as quick as, cause you were always cleaning up right. Uh, the park over there, it's at Rio or care youth league or whatever. And I just, I will always remember that. He probably won't remember that, but I did. It was had a lasting impact on me and it kind of got in my head at an early age. Like number one, you got to work for things, but also, um, you know, if someone's a little short or something, Hey, there's, there's always options out there. So this time of year, Thanksgiving, Christmas coming up. I thought that was a story that, that people would, um, would enjoy. And it's always lasted with me all these many, many years. So an absolute honor to sit down with Mr. Doubt. I know so many guys got to play with him. That 1973 team that was in attendance a few weeks ago, they obviously still love the man very much. And so I thought, um, let's get Mr. Doubt on here to kick off a week of shows. And I do have multiple shows going this week. My goal is three. This will air late, 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 late Tuesday night. We're going to have another show on a Wednesday and then a special show on Thanksgiving that will hopefully get you guys ready to go for the CIF championship. And I better see most of you there at the game, fighting traffic, getting out there, uh, fighting, fighting uh, like the boys are going to do on the field to uh, support this football team. And I think after this interview, I think anyone on the fence and going to the game Friday night will be like, I will absolutely be there. So enough out of me to Mr. Dowd and the, uh, the Dowd family, the Moore family, special thanks to uh, you guys for helping me put this together. And it is with my great privilege guys in our first episode of CIF finals week, championship week, whatever you want to call it, that I uh, get to bring to you the uh, the the legend, the the kind-hearted, but um, always always a leader, I will say, in everything he's ever done and somebody that so many of us look up to. It's now my great honor to share my conversation with Mr. Mike Dowd, the first head coach to lead Real Hondo Prep to a CIF championship 50 years ago in 1973. All right, as we continue the uh, week of preparation for Real Hondo Prep's 22nd appearance in the CIF Southern Section Finals, we are now joined, as promised, by the first head football coach of Real Hondo Prep, Mr. Dowd, who led the Cares back in 1973 to their first championship 50 years ago. Mr. Dowd, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. <laughs> we, uh, we, we celebrated that. Uh, historic win a few weeks ago at uh, Care Park there in Irwindale, uh, the 1973 champions. You got to raise the blue trophy again and see a lot of your former players. Talk to me about how special that night was. Well, I just mentioned while you say I wrote, I held the blue trophy, but people don't realize that the football I was holding is actually the football that we used in the championship game. And after the game, we awarded it to Tom Fowler, who in the summer had an operation and he couldn't start the season with us, but he came back strong and really was a strong member of our team. And so the fellows voted to give him the game ball. And he actually held that thing in his home for those 50 years and brought it back <laughs> that night, which was really quite a thing. So people ought to know that that was the original game ball from 1973. But Going back to that celebration, it was a great thing. It was an honor for me to be the coach, but it was a great thing because young men have that dream all through high school of a blue trophy. And the, the fact that it was our first one that they started that tradition um, the year before we lost a heartbreak. And some of those fellows were on that heartbreak team and they were determined they weren't going to lose again in the next championship game. And so they devoted themselves to that. And that was 
such an honor to work with them and be able to guide them in that championship. But I think the greatest thing I got out of it, which nobody else was able to witness, was that we met in Arcadia for dinner at three o'clock in the afternoon. And these fellows all started gathering together at that time, but nobody was interested in eating. They were just, the friendship and the fellowship between them, you never knew, most of them, you, they hadn't seen each other for 50 years. And the fact of their relationship, how they got back together and the love and the communication between them, that is the thing that really blew my mind away, that that friendship and love was still there from back in those that championship year. And that's what, that's what really, remember what's in my mind well for so many of us who played at rio um you know for me it's been 20 21 years or whatever and uh there still is that love and and uh you know camaraderie with your teammates and it's nice to know that it continues forever so it seems with all those guys uh, who are now you know in their late 60s and they came in the locker room before the game and uh, i think they really enjoyed coach carson's speech and just being a part of it all and seeing the kids 50 years younger than them uh and the kids looking up to those guys it was really interesting for me to see the dynamic between the present players and the 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 guys from 50 years ago being in the locker room uh you you got to experience that moment yes that was very touching uh to be in there and and so many of those players came up to me and i know they came up to the, the players on our 73 team also and and thanked us for <laughs> what we had done for them setting that tradition and and they said, we want to go out and repeat it for you. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, Mr. Dowd, those guys are now in the finals, which I think right. is pretty miraculous. Um, the highest division ever uh, for Real Hondo Prep, which back when you were coaching, it was six-man football. Yes. And now we're in a single-digit division, Division 9 out of 14. It's really remarkable how much the, the program, how far it's come. And for this current team to be in a championship game, specifically 50 years after you guys did it, I find just poetic and just very, very special. Yes, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> well, if you could, if you could take us back to 1973, and if you want to talk about 72 as well, the, the, the tough loss, of course, yeah. um, you know, take us back to that and Rio's first championship and what that really meant to the school back then. Well, we, we started out with so, some of our teams, we played six men and I only had like eight players on team. And I actually got down a couple of games over those early years of having only six guys that could go out on the field um, because the other two were injured and things like that. So that is one of the reasons I was such such a a stickler about conditioning because six-man football, I mean, you see guys playing 11-man, they, they get tired and things. But when you consider there's 12 guys, six on your team and six on your team, covering the whole football field, it takes a lot of condition by the fourth quarter. Yeah. And uh, I see these other teams, they slowed up on us, but we were still running strong, and that, that made a big difference in our, in our thing. So that's why I was always such a, a stickler on, on training. But uh, it's never mentioned or anything, but uh, our first year we were 0-8 when we started in 65 because we didn't have a, a senior class. We just had 10th graders and 11th graders in the 65 year. In the 66, we had um, seniors, and we went eight. We went four and four, so we showed progress. In 1967, when Ken Drain uh, 
was our quarterback that year. He's still around. People know him. Uh, we actually went 8-0. And then people probably aren't familiar with six-man, but after the second half, if you're 45 points ahead, the game is over. It's a little bit different than 11-man where they continue, they just use a running clock. But And actually half of our games in that 67 year was um, – we we finished it before before the end of the game, so that was that was my first year of really feeling accomplishment of. Uh, but they didn't have really um, playoffs for six man because we we're down the bottom of the CIF's yeah. thinking. So, uh, but the seventy two team really was a heart wrenching loss. I think we scored one more touchdown than they did, but. In six-man football, you uh, get two points for kicking and one point for running or passing, and so um, on the extra the extra point. After, for the, yes, after for the, the extra point, right? So that's what made the difference because they had a a phenomenal kicker who had a got a scholarship at the University of Illinois, and he went on to set the scoring record his four years that he was there. I'm sure it's broken by somebody else now, but that's uh, what it was. And then uh, one other thing, just to mention about six-man football. It's uh, 15 yards for a first down. Oh, well, yeah, yeah that's, that's... Instead of the uh, <laughs> traditional 10 yards. So just to mention a little bit about that. But uh, so going back to 73 is just a... It was the fact that these, these fellows were so devoted to wanting to win because after seeing what happened in 72, and uh, I was able to be, say, the lucky man to be able to guide them and direct them to meet their desires and give them the privilege of winning a blue trophy that was always is always a dream of Rio Honda Prep. People think we're a football school, but we're more than a football school. Uh, we're very academic and we're very much into every other sport. But uh, because of our success in football, people look at us and think we're a football school and that we recruit and all this, but we take and coach with whatever we have. Mm -hmm. We're not interested in going out and pulling out, finding athletes. We want to find individuals who are interested in their own spiritual lives and want to make something themselves for the future. We really uh, strive in teaching young men that their future is now. And the things that the characters and the way they develop themselves in their high school years is going to pay off in the future. And that's... Another thing is to see these 73 fellows come back and how all of them have been so uh, productive in their lives and they still feel God is directing them and a lot of things they do. It just, it was just, uh, I, I can't express in words what it meant to my heart because as being retired now, I often wonder what my life has really meant to the organization, to the young men that I've uh, coached and, uh, I had one fellow write me a letter here about three years ago. It says, I just want to tell you, I've never told you this before, Mr. Dow, but uh, after I left high school, I went into the Marines. I felt that that's where I, what I should do at that time. And he says, those drill sergeants had nothing over you. <laughs> <laughs> and that really, <laughs> that meant something to me to hear a little bit of a comment like that. Well, well I heard you were, uh, you know, you talk about conditioning. All the players I talked to, they just said, Mr. Dowd was no nonsense and he pushed us. I mean, all this, you take them up to Mount Care. You, you, you had some rather creative uh, conditioning drills back in the day, too. Yes. Uh, you know, <laughs> and most most of the fellows 
no matter what sport they played, they always remember the horse trail. <laughs> <laughs> a best friend of a real right. hard athlete. Yes, athletes that was our, our special training site. <laughs> that is that is really neat. And right. then um, I believe um, now with six man football, and the people ask me, wait, six man and then eight man, Rio football. I was told that was like the last championship in six man because six man eventually then became eight man. Is that accurate? Um, I would say yes. Okay. And uh, another little thing to throw in is I think we were probably the only school in California that has won a, a blue trophy in six man, eight man, and 11 man. I have no doubt. Uh, my knowledge of being around for years after we finished six man and all the schools that played that, uh, like brethren, I don't think they ever, I think they went straight from six to 11. I don't think they ever played eight. eight. And so, um, I don't think there's another uh, school in California that's a say that. A feather in our cap for sure, right. Ran, random trivia and things. Um, and, and then as far as, um, I mean, the, you mentioned some great things are about how some things never change. It's all about character development. And yes, uh, foot, football to me, Mr. Dowd, is always, it's the best sport as far as um, shaping young men it, because it's a natural, like, uh, there's a there's a pain element to it and that things are hard and it's working for others and there's teamwork in other sports but i think you can really get a spiritual message across um in football more than any other sport is at least that's my opinion well yeah because i think part of it is the male instinct is so we say brutal i mean they want yeah. that they want that toughness they yeah. want to hit somebody or yeah. things like that you know <laughs> and you go to basketball if you hit them, you get a foul or you get ejected from the game, you know? <laughs> and so they can, they can express the male instinct within them in football, where in the other sports, you don't have that privilege. And so I, I think that's one of the things that why football is just I agree there for, for the teenage male. And, and it's a big reason Rio's had so many success over the years is that, you know, it is about, you talked about not bringing in all these great athletes. It's like, no, you create athletes from within. You create, yes. and just the constant message of, doing your very best and sacrificing for others, which to your point with your former players in 1973, they've gone on into their lives and, right. and carried that. So that's what on this podcast, I'm always selling, talking about the, uh, the graduates of RHB. If you go through the real Hondo program, you're going to end up a better man at the, uh, at graduation time than, than when you started. It sounds like not much has changed in uh, 50 years in that regard. I think that's the original concept that Mr. Hampton brought to the organization and has carried through and i pray with my life that that will always carry through as long as we have an organization that uh, his philosophies and beliefs and working with youngsters uh, will always be carried through very well said well let's uh let's go back in time if we will to uh to your childhood mr dowd and we'll eventually work our way into uh boys christian league and and real hondo prep um, where did you grow up? Um, talk to me about your childhood and kind of when you eventually found a Boys Christian League. Okay. Um, well, I was born in Burlington, Vermont, and I lived in Vermont for five years. Um, my dad had a very low income job there, but the family survived. I, I don't remember much. I don't remember anything about Burlington, really. Uh, but in the start of the war in the 42, Colt Manufacturing, who makes weapons, um, was hiring all over the board. And so my dad left and came to Hartford, Connecticut, where the Colt factory is. And he got a job right away. 
uh, making weapons and things for the war. And so um, when he got the job, then he had my mom and I, I was an only child, um, come down and live in Hartford, Connecticut. And then uh, he eventually went into World War II and, and then uh, came out and things. And then uh, in 19, well, December of 1950, uh, my mom and I left to come to California. My dad stayed in, in Connecticut, and uh, and I lived just six houses down from the elementary school, which was called Roosevelt in San Gabriel, California. And in those days, uh, basically, the Boys Christian League team all came from one school. And so when I went to school in January um, to uh, for, for continue my education, um, I ran into Boys Christian guys that are in school there. And, and uh, I was, I loved to play basketball. I played back in, uh, it's an unusual name, but my elementary school back in Hartford is uh, West Middle. And uh, Wendy's corporate offices are in Hartford now. So she, when she was up in Hartford, she actually checked out and the school is still there. Uh, <laughs> my house isn't there where I lived. I live in an apartment house, but... Uh, the uh, I don't know I don't know the name of the interstate, but they uh, high, uh, Harford High School is right across the street. But they they bulldoze Harford High School and all the apartments, and the interstate goes through there with the clover leaves and things. And so that's all that area's all changed. But my elementary school is up about a mile, and it's still there. And so Wendy keeps saying she's going to take me back to New Jersey to be with her and uh, for a couple of weeks, and she's going to take me up to the old stomping grounds. So that's how I got started in Indian uh, with Mr. Hampton, and uh, and who were who were some of those boys you mentioned? Anybody we would know that you ran um, into at, at twelve years old? No, um, none of them are. Two or three of them went on and, and were leaders in, in the very beginning. Um, uh, a fellow named Louis Ling was mm -hmm. a real good friend of mine, and uh, he uh, he coached for a couple of years. He uh, went to uh, PCC. Most of us went to PCC in those days after high school, mm -hmm. and a fellow named Gary Ostrander. But they, uh, Louis went on to Berkeley to get. He became a, a medical doctor, and so he never came back. He went out and did his own profession. And Gary, and I, um, we got drafted together in the army. He was. I got my draft papers, and he was laughing at me and kidding with me. And then two weeks later, he got the draft papers, and we both went the same day, and we were both. In, basically trained together. He was an Atlantic coach at that time and I was Indian. And, uh, but he stayed on and made a career out of the military and became a Lieutenant Colonel in the military. But, uh, so there's nobody uh, off that Indian team that uh, is still around or actually stayed after. So BCL, college. BCL at that time, 12 years, like how, 12 years old, but there was no real Honda prep at the time. So did you guys compete against other high schools or kind of what, how did it work? Um, like well, no, we, we played amongst ourselves. Okay. Uh, but we did in the summertime, Mr. Hampton formed like a, a summer team. And uh, uh, Steve Brink always mentions this, but uh, uh, Rio Hondo, I mean, Rio Hondo, Boys Christian League played uh, Mark Keppel where I went to school. Oh, okay. And, uh, they had a pitcher on in the summer league because the summer league was coached by the Mark Keppel's coach and we competed against him. And, uh, 
their pitcher, Mike McCormick, when he graduated from Mark Keppel, got drafted and went straight to the New York Giants, which was still in New York. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, and I, I pitched for Boyce Christian League that game against him, and they beat us one to nothing. So. Oh man! Hey, one nothing against the big leaguers. Not yeah, too bad. It's, wow. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Maynard Horse, who the baseball field at Mark Keppel now is named after him after he passed because he was a coach there for many years. He really tried to recruit me to play for Mark Keppel, but <laughs> in those days, um, you couldn't play for your high school and play for like Boys Christian League. CIF had a rule against that. Okay. And so uh, they wanted me to play basketball at Mark Keppel too, but I played for Boys Christian League because we played in. Uh, what we called the church league for basketball in the during our high school years. It was a, a number of uh, they were good good high school teams in uh, in the Pasadena area, and we played at the different schools in Pasadena in the league. And then uh, we didn't really play football, other than a little bit of flag, just amongst ourselves. But then uh, we really got into six man after uh, we got into college. Azusa, Azusa Pacific at that time was called Azusa College, and they only had about 350 students. You can imagine they were just like us, very small now, but mm -hmm. they got about what 10,000 students now or something yeah. like that. And they developed, but they didn't have anybody to play. They were playing six man football, but they didn't, couldn't find any hard. It's hard for them to find teams to play. <laughs> so the coach, because Mr. Phil Postgard at that time was teaching at the Bible College there at Azusa, part time. And so he was in with uh, Mr. Hamlow, and uh, he was the athletic director. And so he came down and taught us a little bit of how to get started in six-man football so he had somebody to play against. But it was very – we were very poor. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, a bad, it was a bad start for us. And so we never really in our day had basketball. But as, the, as we got up into a few years of college, then we started uh, playing some of the uh, Division three schools. You know, Claremont, Biola. And these colleges were small at that time. Masters College now is a very big college, but it was called L.A. Baptist at the time. And so we played against these smaller colleges in basketball and baseball. Wow. It was like the yeah. RHLA when they played kind yeah, of some of the colleges. Right. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So um, that was sort of my beginning um, to get in the organization. And and you mentioned military service being drafted. What um, uh, how how long? What were the years you you served in the military? And kind I, uh, of, what were some got years? drafted in uh, November of 1960, and got an early out for school in August of uh, 1962. I spent uh, one year at Fort Ord, 16, 16 weeks of uh, basic training. Uh, your eight, first eight weeks, you're you're trained to be a a soldier to go out and fight. And then your next eight weeks, uh, some people are trained to be soldiers out in the field fighting. And then some are trained to be like office clerks or I was trained to be a mechanic. And uh, so after that, I was trained to be a mechanic for vehicles. I uh, went into an engineering company at Fort Ord. I stayed there where most of the other people all went on to. Well, and my, my closest friend went off to Iceland. They sent him up there. and. <laughs> Other people went off to Germany and wherever, but uh, I stayed at Fort Ord, and I really think maybe it's God's will of it because I was able to come home once or twice a month on the weekends. I'd get a three-day pass, and I'd get to come home and 
help out at the field on Saturday, even though I wasn't coaching, but I could help out and do other things. Fix the fields. Yeah, of course. Do right. a little bit of umpiring or something. <laughs> so, uh, and then after that. Uh, and where, where was Fort Ord? I'm sorry. Uh, Monterey Bay. Monterey Bay. Oh, okay. So uh, there's a college far. there now. Yeah, Cal State Monterey Bay. Okay. Yeah, yeah Fort Ord. That's not too far. Yeah. No, it was bad. And then I uh, was transferred to Fort Irwin, which is a tank base, desert tank base training. And that's 25 miles outside of Barstow. Yeah. And so that wasn't bad either, uh, driving in from there. It's about a three hour drive, coming in on the weekends. And so that worked out well. And I was supposed to be a tank mechanic and that stuff. But uh, I, uh, I never did really work on vehicles. Whenever I went into a company, in their maintenance department, it seems like the sergeant was always looking for somebody to be his right-hand man. And so I ended up being his right-hand man and do a lot of his paperwork for him and running at parts or do whatever he needed done. And it worked out both when I was in the engineering company and when I was in the tank division, I uh, ended up doing that kind of stuff. Wow. But the one nice thing I had at uh, Fort Irwin was National Guard, the whole National Guard out of Alabama was drafted into full service and they came into Fort Irwin. And a lot of other individuals were brought in because of the Berlin crisis. And uh, there was a one of the officers that was brought in was a basketball player on the uh, Indiana basketball team. And he wasn't one of the top eight, but he was on the team. Yeah. And so he was basketball minded. So he, he came in and he says, we're going to start a basketball team. And so uh, we had about 10 guys that we had on the team and we were very successful. Uh, he did a lot of the coaching, basically. A sergeant was over us, but uh, he was a lieutenant and he was over us. And we went uh, 51 and three. It was, it was almost like an NBA season. We played more ball games than colleges and we played we played other military bases, Marines, Air Force, Navy, whoever to play us. We played junior college, uh, Victorville, uh, Barstow, San Bernardino uh, <laughs> colleges. And uh, we played a couple of AAU teams. That was pretty big in those days. Um, and uh, so we were very, very successful. Uh, and it was right up my alley. Yeah, absolutely. To be have that, but we had some top guys. We. One of our forwards was uh, a four-year guy out at Pepperdine. Had played at Pepperdine. Um, we had our two guards. One was the lieutenant who played at Indiana, and the other one was a, a Cle Cleveland Indians Double A baseball player, the second baseman. So he had real good hands, and so he was a great guard. And then uh, we had a, our center was a six-three guy out of Louisiana, but he just graduated from high school. But he was a jumping jack. I mean, he was. <laughs> he could jump out of the gym. He could he couldn't shoot past six feet from the basket, but he was deadly <laughs> rebounding and in, in close. And then the uh, other fellow we had was just a graduate of high school too, but he was very uh, he was six one, a very good jumper and an excellent shooter. He actually went on and got a scholarship at San Diego State and set their scoring record there. <laughs> While he was there, I'm sure it's broken by now. But uh, so that's. That's a team, the type of guys I was playing with. So we were, we were pretty good. <laughs> yeah, to say the least, having a, so having a good that time. Was, that was my military experience. Oh, gotcha. Just going around and uh, winning basketball games right. for the most part and working on uh, <laughs> vehicles here and there. Uh, well, well, you said, uh, I think it was two years, 62, you're, you, you're out. And uh, 
not too long after that, Rio Hondo Prep uh, gets going. Talk to me about right. We started. We how started, did that all happen? We started in September of '64, and part of it came about by we had a high school program. It was called Rio Hondo Academy, and that's why the the meetings we have on Sunday and things. A lot of time you hear the word Rio Hondo Academy, not Rio Hondo Prep. Yes, yes. And so that's Rio Hondo Academy was the original high school group that they went to their own public high schools, but they would come in and help coach and things on the, during the week and work on fields and things. But they would come and we had a spiritual meeting, social meeting on Sunday evenings, uh, which was called Posterians. Yeah. But uh, it was made up of Rio Hondo Academy people. So in 1963, we were playing school. We were playing the schools like Polly and things in six man football with these with our high school guys then. Okay. But because there wasn't that many six man schools around, I mean, there was basically only one league, uh, the prep league. And so, uh, but as private schools got started in the early '60s, like Maranatha started the same year we did, they started a church down on Muscatel Avenue. Uh, and we played them and things because they some of our real our boys Christian League fellows actually went to Maranatha down there <laughs> okay. and they would play against us and that was a real rivalry. Oh man, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so the CIF in '63 says, "No way, it's not right. It's against our rules and principles. I don't know why we are allowing Real Hunt Academy to be playing against our public schools and private schools." So they said, "No more." So I had a real challenge that year. I I had to try to find games wherever I could. Uh, and we played teams from down San Diego even to get games for our high school guys so they would have some. And so I would play a six-man team. I would play an eight-man team. And I played 11-man. Really? And I had to, each week I had to prepare for whatever whatever level team I was coaching that, that year, that week, whether it was 11-man or six-man or what. So that was a real challenge. And so that really stimulated us that we got to get a school started because we want a place for our high school children to go. Um, and a lot of us at that time, like Mr. Orsman, I can't name them all, but Mr. Lunny and Mrs. Johnson, Mrs. Carson, um, there was about 12 of us, the Hampton boys. Uh, once a month, we started having uh, meetings after church on Sunday. And we divided up like those who were interested in science, because like my wife and Mrs. Carson were science, uh, and they do that. Mrs. Johnson, Mr. Lunny, and maybe it was just that, were music. And so they started forming a music department and finding out what the rules and regulations are for the state so we can start. And um, I handled all the PE. So I worked out a PE program for seventh Virginia High and high school. Um, because my concept was Virginia, Virginia High, I just didn't want them, it's different today, but in those days, I didn't want them just to play sports. I wanted to help develop their bodies. And so the President's Council, some way in the United States, um, had a standard book for youngsters to get physically fit. And so I took that book and used that as a program. And then at the end of the year, if they met all the qualifications of that, then they got an award from the President of the United States on, on that. 
And so I set up that program for the junior high. And then, of course, high school, I had to set up a program for the sports because we had to compete. And so that's uh, so I I was in that and I was basically by myself in that. And then we had math teachers like Mr. Lee, Mr. Francis, Mr. Oric. They were all in the math department. And they started that. And so that's how the thing got started. And we got it so developed and felt we, where we could meet the standards because we wanted to have a college prep school. We just didn't want to have a high school. We wanted all our children to go to college. That was our desire. And so we set up a program that way. And that's how the school got started. And so in 74, we started. Well, I will say, uh, you know, or 64, 64, 1964. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, um, You're right. 74. Uh, 64. Um, I will say this. I think Rio Hondo Prep has a little better flow to it than Rio Hondo Academy, RHP, I don't know, RHA. That, yeah. you know. um, the Rio Hondo, now, was that just a tribute to the, the wash next well, door? Well, that was another thing in our, in our meetings and things. And I, it's too bad I can't remember all the different names, but we had about five names that we're trying to decide on that we were going to call. I got to hear some of these. Do you remember any? No, I don't. Oh, man. <laughs> um, I, I really can't. Uh, but because we were on the Rio Honda River there, yeah, that was one of them. So, but uh, um, it's Perfect. too bad I can't I can't remember the other ones. But uh, deep river, I mean Rio Hondo, you can't. Yeah. I so mean, we it's, uh, uh, perfect. We met. We kept boating on Sundays, and finally we got when we got them a, a real like we. I think Miss Hampton at that time said we had to have at least a two thirds majority vote. Okay. And so <laughs> that's how Rio Honda Prep came about. So now, what about the mascot, the cares? Everyone always asks, what's a care? And, and obviously yeah. it had to be at the beginning. Well, um, our, the reason we came up, came up with that word is because we, we, in meeting things, our whole concept and our whole meaning is we care for individuals. We care for children. And that's the whole philosophy of the Boys Christian League and its concept. That was Mr. Hamm's. It's not an Indian team. It's a team made up of Gary and Louie and Dale and Butch and that way. I mean, they're individuals. And so we do care for those individuals, not just a team. And so we wanted to keep that concept. And so we finally came up with that, that we really do care for children. And that's what we believe in. And so we said, instead of just using the, the C as a word, let's put a K there so it gets a little more recognition. It's different. Right, because so Rio is a very different place. Right, and so that's how we came up with the cares instead of with the K instead of with the C. Was that we are different and we do care. Absolutely, and uh, that's the best way to describe it, as we've all had to over the years. But to hear it, kind of where it came from the beginning. Now, yeah. at, at the time, was there was Boys Christian League Care Youth League yet, or did no? It was still Boys Christian League. So the Care Youth League name came after yes. the cares of Rio. Yes. I would have thought it was the other way. Interesting. No. Wow. Okay. It's a little history there. That's, that's a good to know. Um, and then you start the high school and you're pretty much, uh, you pretty much coach everything, all three sports. And, yes. uh, I mean, you were, did you have any assistant coaches working with you? Not at the beginning. No. no. Well, I mean, I didn't have enough players. Like I say, six players, eight, <laughs> eight, eight to 10 players. All I had. So, <laughs> wow. Um, because you know, everybody, even though they were teaching in the school, they were still doing carry league, carry youth league teams after school and things. So, you know, they had their responsibilities. And so I was, I was basically the one. Yeah. I think Mr. Drain told me he was in one of the first classes and it was only like 14 kids. 
seventh through tenth grade or something, the first class or so? Well, the first I my understand remember is we had seven through ten, yes. That's what we started with, and we had twenty-three. Okay. So a little more for the for the four grades. Yeah. Yeah. And, so and now Mr. That, that's that's about the six six a grade. <laughs> yeah. And now we have the biggest uh boys, the right. largest enrollment of boys we've ever had, and it's still only sixty-six in 2023 right. and we're playing up against uh you know schools with 2500 right um which is just the irony of it all um that, wow that's it so you always loved basketball but uh you coach football basketball and baseball and so was it kind of just the thing about care you think in Rio Hondo it's year round so it's like as soon as you're done with the sport all right the guys right it's time to go to the next one right, right. you finish you finish football on Friday Monday you start basketball <laughs> And when we finished basketball on Friday or Saturday, baseball was on Monday. <laughs> Definitely. And so we talked about the 70, the, the, the teams being successful in the early 70s. Um, uh, you eventually handed the reins of football to Mr. Randall Johnson, yet you still coached at the high school level, specifically basketball, I think, for 15 years after that, you said? Yes. Um, I did work a little bit with football, uh, worked on the defensive backs, linebackers, and the uh, Oh, the late 70s and a little bit in the 80s. Like, I, I remember working with, uh, well, I'll call him Randy Johnson now. I won't throw the mister in there, but Dave Carson and Rod Heaton, they were all in that same class. I remember coaching with them That's uh, right. on, the, on the defensive level under Mr. Lunny. So, so you, you were, you know, like you walked away from real Honda football. You've been a part of it uh, even after when you were. Yeah, a little bit after. Part of the reason, um, I was moving on is because uh, we had bought Mount Care in, uh, it wasn't Mount Care at that time, it was Camp Deer Ridge. Uh, we bought it uh, in 72. We hired one of our ex-college guys, um, went up there, spent a year, but he just didn't work out because uh, we wanted to have a, a year-round caretaker up there and start getting things done. And then we held a, hired an elderly family retired man and wife and they were interested but the wife spent a year up there and she says i'm tired of being oscillated i want to get back to civilization and so he didn't work out so then within probably between mr hampton and mr ostegard i mean they worked together and things that uh, it was finally decided that maybe i should my family and i should go up to mount care okay and so we went up and uh started in 76 and uh they said they were going to have the home built by by September. So when I get back from the trip, because I sold my house and uh, had my furniture in storage, and uh, my wife was at home with all, all these problems while I was on the road on summer trip. And I get home, and the house is not done. I got four children and a wife. And so we go up, and we lived in the mess hall until almost Christmas. Wow. And... They had to go to the outhouses that many people know remember. <laughs> the old days. The and old my days. children didn't like going from the mess hall down to those little outhouses. <laughs> and, that's a... and I won't tell you what Michael did. <laughs> Michael was only three years old. <laughs> oh man. Is that dark and cold out there back yeah. here? I can imagine in the in the early yeah. days. But so so you did you how often did you commute down to Rio Hondo or were you just primarily well, at camp? Um between my wife and I. Somebody went every day. Wow. Because the children had to go to school. That's a commute. Wow. That, they commuted. And people, 
people can't understand that this day. And it was very unusual for us. And, and I don't know, we just seem to accept it. But to think about it now, every day, and I don't think we hardly missed a day of school, the, the children going up and down. I mean, it always worked out some way we were able to get snow, rain, or any wind. And That's why we, we were able to do it. Um, sometimes uh, we tried to always work out where one of us, my wife or I, would stay so that when the children came back at home that night, because they wouldn't get home to almost seven, that one of us would be there and have cooked dinner and have it ready for. But I was still coaching basketball. So, in basketball season, I had to really go down every day. And <laughs> so, my wife, I think at that time we were on that. Uh, system where you had classes on Tuesday and Thursday, like two hour classes that block like a block system. Okay. And then Monday, Wednesday, and Friday classes were like an hour and a half long instead of just the hour. And so that seemed to fit in my wife's schedule so she could stay home a couple of days and uh, you guys made it work. Right. And then of course we first moved up there, we had uh, Jim Davis went up with us and lived a couple three years with us. And then that after that, that's when Mr. Parson Charlie came up and uh, lived with us in the family. So then that kept somebody there all the time. And and so we always had somebody there to cook, yeah. to cook the meal for us. Well, and, and now to see what Mount Care, again, has evolved into with the hard work of Mr. Parsons and now Bill Lee. Right. I mean, it's phenomenal up there. And just the, the humble beginnings of it, you know, not really having much up there. Now it's a first-class operation. And anyone who's not yeah. been to Mount Care uh, is missing yeah. out because it's quite a place. Well, my period was there actually the addition to the mess hall the split level building mm -hmm. was was during my era up there and then the road uh, was put in by myself and mr blackmore who was a retired engineer who was the father of mrs simpson okay him and his wife he was an engineer civil engineer back in uh, michigan and retired to duarte where the house is that the weidmans live in now uh, but anyhow he came up to camp and stayed with me for a week and Mr. Barbo sort of designed the road, and then Mr. Blackmore and myself. And this guy's, I'm sure he's late 60s, early 70s. Six o'clock in the morning, he's ready to go to work. And I got to get out there and start working on the road with him. <laughs> and people don't realize it, but part of that road, the, the, the civil engineering in that road is that there's underground water that seeps down because of the earthquake. Some people don't realize, but the Andrus Fault runs right up the creek, right up through the road, past the mess hall, and it goes to the right of the house, right down to the creek towards the fire ring. And so uh, when we built the addition onto the mess hall, everything had to be like double st structured. People don't realize that what we had to go through to uh, get that approved and designed and things too. And Mr. Barbo was responsible for all that. Um, so that building is a sturdy building. Yeah. It's, it's supposed to withstand an earthquake. And actually our house was designed, Mr. Barbo designed it so that if the earth dropped out and a hole dropped below all our bedrooms in, in, in our house, that it's designed that the trusses that go through are strong enough to support that house so it wouldn't fall down into the uh, wow. earthquake. So there's a lot of special things up there that people oh, don't realize. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And and I've traveled and uh, I've traveled the world and uh, Mount Care is still probably one of my favorite places yeah. to ever go. So we had to actually build a French drain 
started uh, right on the road, right by where all the parking lot is now, all the way down past the gate, almost to the bottom of the road, a four foot deep hill road ditch. We had to hire a backhoe and uh, Mr. Blackmore being the ditch guiding the guy and stuff. And we put gravel in there and we put special uh, pipe that will absorb the water, holes in it and things. And then we put a lot of cross members, drains going across the road. And then we had to fill that all in with rock and then pack it in with dirt. And it was, it was quite an engineering project to build that road. And then the road used to dip down. And in rainy season, where the creek is now, uh, you would dip down and you'd have to drive through the creek in the water and stuff. And, and then you'd go back up and down the hill. So uh, we had to fill all that in, put a big pipe in and build a cement dam. And we made some mistakes. You can look over and see the mistakes we made in that cement dam. <laughs> it's much pudgier than it's supposed to be. <laughs> okay. Well, so that was, that was camp. And we did that for 10 years. And then I, oh, wow. then uh, that's when Mr. Parsons took over completely. And then I think within the next year, he married, uh, Diane Parsons and uh, they lived up there. And uh, so, so you were still chill coaching at Rio while up there. Yeah. And and at, during all this time, uh, so Mrs. Dowd was also coaching at the same time, or at least at the beginning of Rio Hondo. Yeah, she was the first uh, Rio Hondo coach. Okay. For the girls program because yeah. the CIF has after we started a school, there really wasn't any official CIF girls program. It sort of started in, in the 70s for the CIF. And and so we started girls uh, teams. And my wife, at that time, she wasn't principal. She was a science teacher. Yeah. Chemistry and biology. And then so she coached the, the volleyball, um, basketball, and softball to start with, just like I did. The Dowds just were just running yeah, the yeah, show. Yeah, show. Right. Both, both sides. That's awesome. Yeah. And then you mentioned that she, yeah, she, I, I was, I was blessed to, uh, to be in one of her science classes. She was extremely patient with me because, Science was not my thing by any means, um, but she eventually became the principal of Real Hondo Prep. Yes. When, when was that? I think it was approximately eighty-two. Um, that's and she was our she was our principal. I mean, she, yeah. she did it a long time for, for yeah, so many. She did of us. it up till uh, two oh six. Oh, okay. So when she when she retired. So she was. Uh, we'll say she was principal under the last eight man football championship and the first eleven man championship. Yes. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And of course. Once she became principal, then Mrs. Johnson, she st I think Mrs. Johnson started out coaching volleyball her first year, and then eventually she took over all three sports. Oh, yeah, that's right, Mrs. And, then, and then my wife, because she didn't have the time to run the school and teach. She was, even though she was principal, she was still the science teachers. Yeah. For things. <laughs> that's, so, uh, that's a real Hondo is. You, you're yeah. wearing many hats all the right. time, right? Uh, doing many things. So. Um, you guys eventually moved back uh, a little closer, a little easier to be uh, involved in Rio when you're back. <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't really get involved because um, in the, see, I came back in '86 and then '89, I think was my last year I coached. Um, but uh, that's when Wingate they decided that we wanted to start a program out in Covina and. and some of the power to bees uh, talked to the city. The city had a Wingate Park, which they abandoned because they didn't have enough money to take care of the park. And uh, we made an agreement that we would commit for the use of the, the fields there, we would maintain the park for them. 
And so um, the city agreed to that, and uh, that's how we got started. So I, they sent me out to Wingate. Mr. Phillip started a little bit, but there's a little bit of conflicts there. Sure, so, sure. So they designated me to go out there and get the program really started, and we. And so I spent the uh, until I retired in '07. I was responsible for Wingate and responsible for all the fields and everything and Arcadia and all the buses and all everything else. <laughs> well, that's where I first met you uh, 1992. I came along as a little second grader and this great big place called Wingate Park was a Glendora Gator. I just fell in love with it. And you were the nice man in the office that <laughs> sold the, uh, the the sodas and candy bars and had the uniforms and stuff. And I had no idea that this was real Hondo Prep uh, first head coach, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Dow. Just, you were a fixture there for a long time at the Wingate office. Yes. Long, long time. Yeah, it was nice. I had always had a couple Archelay girls to to help me out and carry the load too. But and I had some great helpers that way. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and then uh, let me see. Oh, I I talked about uh, Mr. Randall Johnson briefly. He he coached at Rio for so long and was so successful. You actually coached him in Boys Christian League at yes. one point. He was he was on my first team that I coached. He was in sixth grade. Um. He was on my Indian team, and uh, I coached him up through junior high. And then uh, when he went into high school, um, you know, we didn't have a school, so he was going to Pasadena High School because he lived in East Pasadena there. And uh, we sort of started really developing. Each area was really developing their their program, and so uh, he he became one of my Indian coaches, and he would coach couple three divisions just like I was coaching a couple three and then uh, so that carried on a relationship there and he he played but he played six-man football in in high school uh, we had a team uh, a man named Mr. Ed Green who was just a little bit younger than I was actually first started coaching but then his lat the last year Mr. Johnson's senior um, Ed went into the Navy and never returned. And then I took over, coached, uh, basically what in those days was called Rio Hondo Academy. Mm -hmm. It was before our school days. And so we called ourselves Rio Hondo Academy and we played under that name. And we played schools like Poly and different, sure. different schools like that, Flint Ridge. Uh, as a boys Christian league, Rio Hondo Academy team. And then, so we use the name Rio Hondo Academy, it sounds, more academic than yeah. the boys Christian League. Yeah, I get you there. And so, uh, so that so I had a relationship with him all the way through, and and he and he actually when I when I took over high school completely, he uh, took over Indian completely. Oh, okay. From me, and uh, so he became the Indian area director. And so, Mr. Johnson and myself really had a real close togetherness all the way up through. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. it. Yeah, it sounds like it. And and I always like talking about. Um, the former coaches of, of Rio Hondo, uh, you know, just uh, some of them are no longer with us. And of course, Ken Drain, we talked to last week. Um, uh, if you could, well, I guess we can go one by one. The coaches that to me that come to mind, Randall Johnson, uh, Gary Lunny, uh, or Campton, you can mention him as well. And then uh, Ken Drain, all guys that have been very successful. Um, if, if any thoughts come to mind about them, why is it that you think um, – some of them, especially as head coaches, Mr. Drain and Mr. Johnson, have been so successful over the years. Well, I think their success was tied to the philosophies of 
Mr. Hampton's development of Boys Christian League, and uh, I followed in, in Mr. Hampton's steps that way uh, and tried to be the man that he was, which I could never be. But uh, where, we, where our whole desire is, once again, is we think of individuals. Mm -hmm. We don't think of them as teams. And so I think that's what makes the difference. And I think that's why Mr. Drain, Mr. Johnson, or, and and uh, I really don't know that much about Mr. Mark Carson right now, um, but um, I was close to Randy when he was younger. I mean, he coached him a little bit in high school. And actually, when Mr. and Mrs. Johnson got married, they bought the house right next door to me. And so we were a close relationship that way. We actually had a, we had a, each of us, we had our, our lot, and then we had a, a, it was about 100 feet, feet deep. And then we had another 100 feet deep in our, our houses because we lived over in Lynn Street, which right now backs up to pick apart our houses. But at that time, there was a trailer park there. And so our houses backed up to a trailer park. Um, and so we, we took the middle fence down between our property. And so we would have outings and things over in our backyard, sleepovers <laughs> on, on the weekend and things. Nice. And we had that nice big backyard to, to play in for the children. And so, and then, uh, Varsity dinners was always over at the, my house on Friday afternoon. Uh, my wife made some kind of a special hamburger patty and put, I don't know, peppers and onions and some other stuff all in it. And one experience we had one time, because I'd be cooking about on my barbecue back behind my garage, I'd be cooking about 10 patties on the, the grill at one time, 10 or 12 patties, you know. And one time, I guess the patties were really juicy or something. But and I didn't pay much attention, but there's a big flume of smoke going up from my barbecue. And, and I'm back there cooking, and all of a sudden, a couple of firemen come come through my backyard over to me. Oh, it's a barbecue. <laughs> Somebody called 911 thinking there was a fire. Oh wow. They thought maybe my garage was burning up. <laughs> Man, I bet those burgers could good. So that was an experience of our mm -hmm. our hamburg fries at my house for varsity dinners. But that was our varsity dinners and the for football in our in our day, that's where varsity dinner started. Oh yeah, so tell me about it was always the day, was the day a game always in the backyard, just yeah. kind of gather the team yeah. before oh, they'd always come to my house. Okay, the eight or ten guys, whatever. We had yeah, yeah. Team. Back then, <laughs> now they feed like thirty five guys, yeah. and these parents have these giant spreads. Yeah. It's really really cool. But I love the I just love hearing certain traditions, even yeah, though how it got started. Yeah. yeah, even though they're tweaked a little, it, it's yeah. uh, it, it's still special. So that's right. That's really really neat. And yeah, Randall Johnson. Um, Incredible career it touched so many lives as a head coach and uh mr drain who i had the privilege to play for um and i started coaching him in junior high oh yeah okay and i had him up up through we played up through ninth grade as as club ball and i had him up through the ninth grade and then in 10th grade he joined the school so i coached him all through high school <laughs> so mr drain and i have been very close friends so what do you years. What? he helped me coach my last few years before he took over as head coach with basketball yeah, yeah with basketball. that's right he, he carried uh he, he followed in your footsteps yeah. there uh, yeah because you coached well into the late late 80s there basketball right 89 was my last year okay and then his first so his first year coach in varsity he just steps right in and takes a team to the uh the uh cif finals in the state and everything he's probably think oh man this was easy yeah <laughs> not so much um mr dowd if you could uh we'll wrap it up here soon um as just the real Hondo program, I'll ask you kind of about it specifically after this, but to see where it's developed. It started as six man in 70, or 
whatever year, 66, and then championship at 73. But to me, there's been this consistency with the program, and, and you mentioned some of the philosophies there. But I don't know, as far as we'll say 50 years, even though it's been like 56 of years of real football, it, 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 it's special to me as someone who played in it and now gets to watch it. You still come to games. And and you still watch these boys play that that you don't know really much about, but they wear the I real Honda. I don't uniform. know anything about them now. No, but, I don't even know their names. <laughs> but but you're there and, and you're yeah. you're pulling for them and um yeah what I mean real Honda football what is it what is it that speaks to you and and, and to to others out there? Um, well, I I think it goes back to the the philosophy of the team. It starts with the individuals, the coaching staff develops them into a team where they they feel the closeness of one another and i think that's what makes the, the difference in the games so much of the time it's it's a little thing but it's the little things that make a difference at the end of the game uh, they are pulling for each other they're a part of it they feel each other they're it's it's like a brotherhood mm -hmm. that they they get in and, and and that's what the coaching our coaching philosophy has been ever since the beginning of mr hampton is he took individuals and he made them into a team like like I was the Indian team and Gary and Dale and Butch and Archie. I mean, I, I still remember all these names. Yeah. <laughs> I can name the whole team. Jim Hoffman is left field. Jim Ewing was center field. Dave Heckman was right field. I mean, and so there's that there's that feeling that you're you're just a part of each other. Mm. And so you have more fight. Mm, more the fight. pull the pull for each other because you gotta and you know what you think about the Marines, uh, because why are the Marines so much different than the, the other services? Because they've got that spree de corps within them. And it, it's built into them from the beginning, right out of boot camp. And, uh, and they live that. I mean, you can talk to Bill Lee about that, and I think you'll pick up that feeling. It's, you know, he feel, he's a Marine, he feels it, and he knows we're tough and we, we can pull and we can do anything in the end. And I think that spirit of core carries through in in the philosophies of Rihanna Prep. And the coaches are dedicated men. And that's the other thing. Um, you know, I was there for a number of years. Mr. Johnson was there for a number of years. And and like in basketball, myself and Ken Drain, we were the two coaches for I think Ken said he was 29 years and I was 25. That's, that's like 54 years of having this two coaches. I mean, what other school in Southern California can, can claim yeah. that? And in football, you know, we haven't had that many. I mean, four. What, 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 yeah, okay. What, four I was, head coaches. I was, yeah, I was going to count them out, but you've already done it for me. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and it seems like we don't, I don't go and talk to Mr. Johnson and try to still say, you, you're taking over football now, you got to do this and that. It just seems like automatically, Yes. Because we come through the same organization, the same philosophies, that it just naturally carries on. And like Mr. Mark Carson and Mr. Randy Johnson, I mean, they're doing super jobs. Mm -hmm. And they're students of the game. I mean, Mr. Randy Johnson, he's got a mind. Oh, man. And he knows what he's, and, and he plans, and he's, he's got it up here. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Mark Carson, I'm, I'm getting more respect for him. I, like I say, I knew Mr. Randy Johnson more because he was my next door neighbor and things. And I was closer to him through the years, but, but Mark is, is, um, I'm getting to appreciate him more. Yeah. And uh, realize, um, and personally, my opinion is 
and I and I think it's a tribute to I'm not sure exactly who who does the line blocking, but um, I watched that first playoff game against uh, was it Saint Marvin. Saint Marvin. Yes. yes. You saw those guys anywhere from six two to six five, anywhere from two hundred twenty to two hundred eighty pounds. I think they were. I mean, they looked like giants to against our offensive line. Yeah. But I really studied that game uh, and watched that line blocking. And I would say this is the best line blocking team we've had over over many years. That's high praise for me. Yes. And uh, whoever those, I'm not sure who the coaches are that handle that, but uh, they were firing out low. And you try to teach guys on defense, you know, the, your first step is down in. St. Margaret's big guys, first steps up. What's going on? And so the younger guys just come and blow them out. Up and back. Yeah. <laughs> going back. I mean, I would see these big 250-pound guys just standing over here in the holes here. I mean, yeah. they just – and so I'm amazed and I'm proud of what has uh, been going on in, uh, in the development of the later program of our, our, our 11-man games, and it's going to carry on. Yeah, Dave Drain is uh, works with the offensive line as well as okay. AJ Corsini a little bit. But uh, head coach Mark Carson talks all the time about, you know, basically they learned he learned so much from Mr. Drain. Mr. Drain learned so yeah. much from Mr. Johnson. Mr. Johnson. It's a it's a cycle, and yeah. and so it, there are those connections that have lasted in the program for you know fifty fifty six years, whatever it's yeah. been. Um, going back to six man though, that uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> the principles of six man are nowhere near what what eleven man <laughs> nowhere principles. Near. Are. I mean. It's twice as many guys. You got to you got to have guys that are fast. You got to have guys that have good hands, and have agility and have endurance. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's the one. I'm, if if you don't have good tacklers, I mean, almost every tackle in six man football because of the, everything. The guy's got the ball, and he's in a third of the field here. <laughs> There's a, basically only one guy to tackle him. That's it. And if he doesn't tackle, the guy goes for a touchdown. I mean, you go back to the. 72 championship game that uh, we lost. I mean, it was 72 to 68. Oh, man. Basketball score. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and, but the uh, it's because that both teams had excellent uh, people with hands, mm -hmm. speedy, tricky. And so it, it's hard to, to tackle somebody and control that. And so that's why you get a high score when you get that many talented guys on both sides. I mean, it was equal. Mm -hmm where uh, we had tremendous defensive players in our championship team. Like, we played three playoff games, and uh, the first two games, nobody even scored. We shut them out. The third game, uh, Flint, we played Flintmers for the CIF championship. Uh, they got a touchdown, but it was after, in the second half, after we pretty, we were hit 38 to nothing or something. So yeah. we sort of, you know, let, let other guys play that. The playing to defense yeah. in six man is hard to go yeah. shut out, shut out in seven right. points or whatever. So, uh, yeah, um, that's what made our our team so successful then. And so it's a different concept, and you you train people different for six man than you do eleven man. You got to get in the the weight room. You got to get some muscle to you. Got to get some endurance and strength to you that way. Where six man was speed mm -hmm. and agility. What I love your 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 concept of just the spirit of the core, and you get some fight in you. And, and you know, so many um, coaches at Rio have, have you know at least in the past military experience. And so we talked about that already. And I think another thing that is huge, um, and it, it's a it's case in point this year, is a summer trip. A summer trip 
had had summer trips been before basketball season or before baseball season, maybe there would be more success in those sports. But the fact that you're gone all these weeks in football, team building together for now, it's only like three or four weeks. Back in the day, it was eight, however many weeks. I yeah. think I ten, ten was the most. Ten was oh my god, that's a whole <laughs> summer. That's the end of school to to the beginning of school. Um, I think there's something to be said, and nobody. To my knowledge, no no teams out there in America do what Rio does as far as a summer trip. It's team building. It's growing spiritually. And when you come off that bus for the last time, you got to be ready to go. And I think it's every other year for the boys. But I think this year, coming back from a summer trip, I think they came back ready. And I think yes. in, in years past, that's something Rio does that's unlike any other. Right. I, I uh, There's a lot of truth to that. And I think back in the... 70s and 80s i think one thing to add it to that is when we used to have the play set yeah. we would go into a campground and we had to build that set and everybody had a job and everybody worked together i mean i i think of it like little ants how yeah. they always <laughs> and we you know you you lift up the platforms you get the framework done you get the lighting trust up and and everybody's got a job and everybody fulfills that job because if you don't, something's going to happen. <laughs> and I think in, in preparation for football in those days, uh, that was good because we lift those floorboards. That was yeah. good, good muscle building. I don't know. I don't know if you're involved in it. Yeah, yeah, stuff, we did. But, ours, uh, yeah. but I think that in those days was really a help that uh, you you had that had to work together, and that built into you, man. We got to work together in football, or we not? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I have that same success. So yes. Um, the trips, I think, are definitely uh, a help that way. Well, Mr. Dowd, it's been a pleasure, and we are uh, up against it this Friday. Um, Rio against Santa Monica. It's a long. Uh, it's hard to believe we're playing a school that size in a championship game, but we got 66 boys. They got 2,700 students or whatever it is. It's on the road. Um, the odds are against us, but like you said. Um, Real's always kind of undersized and, and has kind of that fighting spirit. So we'll see what happens Friday. Any, right. any thoughts on the big game? No. Um, actually, I had I went to dinner, uh, lunch on Monday, and uh, we have a, an old man's group meeting, but uh, we had uh, Mr. Dave Carson Jr. and Mr. Todd Carson there and Mr. Randy Johnson, and we tried to probe Randy, but he wouldn't say anything to us. <laughs> He says, I'm just going to be prepared and see what happens. <laughs> and I like it. I like that. And so uh, I can't say any more than what Randy said, which yeah. is nothing. <laughs> what What would it mean to the Rio Hondo community? Oh, I, I think it would just be a super blessing for the present young men. And I think these guys that met back from 73, I think it would be a super blessing to them to see that their work in 1973 brought an existence of 19 20, 23, 50 years later to see that same same results i think that would be a, a super blessing to those young men amen to that. and they are following i know they are following because uh, the last home game i was at uh dave kirby was uh, sending out every quarter was sending out notices to all those guys they were they were still in there so they all wanted to know even though they're back in Louisiana or Georgia or Hawaii or wherever they yeah they come from Idaho, uh, <laughs> they're still interested and they want to know what's going on. That is uh that's special and just unlike again right. anywhere else. We're hoping for a fifteenth championship. 
but uh, we'll uh, have to cheer the boys and, and hopefully they can fight it out. And I know they're going to represent us well. Mr. Dow, thank you. Oh, thank you. This has been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, Real Hondo Prep Football, it, it started with you and I think it's in good, great hands today. Oh, it definitely is. Thank you so much. I'm proud of it. Appreciate it. This has been fun. Well, as is often the case, um, kind of at a loss for words after that one. And um, yeah, I think after the first few minutes of the conversation with Mr. Dowd there, him talking about uh, one of his former players bringing back the actual game ball from 1973, 50 years later. Um, man, I thought the podcast couldn't get any better at that point, but it, it certainly did. And um, to Mr. Mike Dowd, thank you so much for the impact you've had on so many um so many men and not just those young, those men, but then the impact that those men then handed down to uh, countless generations, including uh, the current football team. I, I can say that Mr. Dowd has uh, maybe his, some of his, I don't know, fingerprints on this football team in some way based off of, uh, you know, lessons to Mr. Drain and then lessons to uh, Mr. Mark Carson. And so it's one big family here at Rio Hondo and the, the Rio Hondo community Academy prep, whatever, whatever it is. Um, we're all united in that. And so thank you so much, Mr. Dowd. Um, he's a tremendous uh, leader, as I mentioned in the intro, a, a man of God and somebody that I think would do anything for so many people out there. And kind of, that was kind of where the intro song came from. Um, the song for you by Keith Urban, always something that kind of touched me about it's more of a military uh, tribute there from the movie um, Act of Valor. But uh, I thought there were some lyrics in there that were quite fitting just as far as sacrifice. And and uh, so many guys like Mr. Dowd have uh, done so much for, for others, right? And given and done so much for you, for for people. And and in a similar, similar note, you know, the challenge to this team this Friday is sacrificing for each other, doing things for you, for the guy next to you, um, which you've done all season. Um, would you, would you, uh, you know, not literally, but figure figuratively, would you take a bullet for that guy next to you? And maybe that's uh, just taking on a big block on Friday or hustling a little bit on a play or, or making a diving tackle or whatever. Um, we've seen it throughout the season and just excited for the, the guys to finish things off, uh, this Friday night, we're pulling for you. We'll be there early. And, uh, man, when you hear, hear a conversation like that with Mr. Mr. Mike Dowd, the, uh, the foundation of real football. I want to read a quote Mr. Drain sent to me. Um, I asked him, I told him Mr. Dowd was coming on and I just said, uh, you know, Mr. Ken Drain was one of Mr. Mike Dowd's first players. And um, I asked him uh, bright and early this morning about um, Mr. Dowd. I said, Hey, can you give me a quote on Mr. Dowd? And without hesitation, this is what Mr. Drain sent me, sent me. Every structure that is able to stand strong over a long period of time, must have a firm foundation. Mr. Dowd is the foundation of Rio Hondo prep football. I can't, uh, I can't wrap it up any better than that. Um, what Mr. Dowd laid 50 years ago, 56 years ago, the foundation he laid for this football program echoes today and it will shine bright on Friday night. I hope you guys are ready. We're going to have a lot more content this week. The plan is two more shows. I know it's late on Tuesday night when this one is getting out. Uh, but if you if you get a chance to listen to it, whether tonight or tomorrow, whenever, whenever you get to listen to these shows, uh, maybe a day later, I hope you get to tune into all of them because they're gonna they're gonna be impactful and have uh, some strong messages and, and support of our team going forward. 
Mr. Drain, thank you for that. Those kind words. I think that's a perfect way to wrap up uh, our first episode this week as we get ready for the CIF finals of Division Nine on Friday night at Santa Monica High School. Get there early. Parking's going to be tough. Uh, bleachers, that's going to be a little interesting to say the least, but we'll be there in support. And um, after hearing Mr. Mike Dowd rally us today with some of the history of real football, I think we're a little bit more ready to go um, tonight than we were about an hour and a half ago. So thanks for tuning in, guys. And just um, even us non-players out there, think of that. Think of that song for you. What would you do for those closest to you uh, when it matters most? And I think if we keep that theme going forward here into Friday night and with Thanksgiving here, uh, I think it's going to be a special couple days here on the podcast and hopefully Friday night out in Santa Monica. Let's all do it, guys. Let's do it for each other, for one another. Um, and have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you tomorrow night here on the Charge to Keep podcast. I would give my life I would make that sound